Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburrow and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. Today, we're taking a look at some of Portland's history for Black History Month. Hi everyone, before we start the podcast today, I'm going to have to insert a little housekeeping. Uh, First off, we missed last week. Sorry, we just didn't manage to get the podcast edited in time. You'll see why in a minute. We really wanted to talk about this topic uh, over Black History Month, um, but we missed it. But that's okay. It does not have to fit there. There's no rule we're breaking. It's good to talk about this stuff any time of the year. Uh, Second thing. Uh, We wanted to give a shout out uh, that there is a marriage class starting in March at Westside. And so if you're around, this could be for you. Um, And we wanted to highlight this. This season has been really hard on relationships, a really tough journey with stresses and strains eroding loads of what couples have built. And so we thought this is worth an extra mention. We, We didn't get it in the podcast and so we'll add it in um check out Westside's website for more info it's something you can do covid safe over zoom really encourage you to consider it and i'll put a direct link in the notes okay we're not done yet we gotta slip in a clarification uh this is something where we'd heard a bit of uh, questions from people after we recorded the podcast and seemed like man we'd love to say something about this so we're going to slip it in before we start a few podcasts ago we were chatting about an example of caring about one aspect of ethics but in a way that it dominates our cares and drowns out the voice of other ethical issues and we were talking about sort of extreme scenarios of that i think i think we use language like uh, to the extent where concern for one issue actually eclipses our ability to weigh other concerns and uh, and we were talking about you know when when we see that we might uh, it might provoke us to examine and question hmm is that is that the bible or culture shaping that like where does that reaction come from that it could be a a kind of red flag sometimes anyway the example we used was abortion and we heard back from a couple of people uh, because we didn't make a bigger deal of being pro-abortion or talking about abortion in our discussion. I think that surprised some people's expectations. Uh, and they thought that we, uh, the people on the podcast or you know, people at the church might not be against abortion. Uh, and incidentally, those of you who did reach out and we heard from it, it was really great to hear from you. Love it when we get interaction with you all. And so just affirm you and encourage you and thank you for doing that. Um, Anyway, in a way, it was a great example in the discussion because it is a triggering issue and clearly was for lots of people. But I sense that, I mean, got to chat to a couple of people, but there might be a a few people who maybe missed our point and were left feeling shocked to hear abortion discussed that way. And so we really wanted to be clear because it isn't, we think it's an important issue. And so just to lay it out there, everyone on the podcast that day thinks abortion is wrong the termination of the life of a fetus like when people just change their minds or it doesn't fit their choices like this is shockingly morally abhorrent to us Uh, there's a a moral recklessness about fetal rights and we along with many others think that some of what the bible shows us are morally relevant factors in ethically assessing abortion are being totally missed in our culture and horribly skewed and that it's important that we care about these things and so 
I'd encourage you if you had a moment where you were like, you know, it tweaked your mind, you were a little shocked, surprised, uh, you know, if it triggers something, just try and hear that, know that's where we're coming from, and then maybe listen back again to the beginning uh, of that podcast and um, try and catch the point we were trying to make because I don't want you to miss that and mishear something else. Okay, so on to this week. We're discussing Portland's history, talking about the Bible, some black history. Uh, now, this discussion, it went, off, it went on for well over an hour. And the nature of this discussion, we were kind of uh, allowing the story to just throw up issues and, and to be provocative and help us think and to pull the Bible alongside it. And, man, we did not land the plane on a load of answers. But like we, we often do in the podcast, we, we really wanted to allow the Bible to provoke us to think afresh. And so with such a long podcast and so much discussion and so much to think about, we're going to make it a two-parter. And so you're going to listen to part one at some point. It'll just end awkwardly. <laughs> Don't worry. It's not a mistake. We'll pick up part two next week. All right. Hope you enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. So I'm Richard, and I've got three people with me who are gonna, not going to introduce themselves apparently. <laughs> also, <that's... laughs> Hi, this is Ryan. Hello. You know me by now, hopefully. Yes, hopefully. And um, I'm Burley, Burley White. Um, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and I'm Grace White, and we've been on the podcast before. Yes, mm-hmm. but it's been yeah. a long time. Yes. And so we are, uh, we've got a, a big challenge ahead of us today. It's Black History Month, which we could talk about a little bit. But what we want to do is there's actually um, some sort of you need to know really important history which probably would get categorized as black history to do with Portland. And a sort of, it's an interesting opportunity to learn a bit about the city, but it's also, it throws up some great examples for us where we can sort of think, okay, what's like a biblical response here? Like what's, what's a Jesus shaped or what's biblical justice when it comes to these types of things? Because there's loads of questions Christian are asking right now. Um, about what racial reconciliation, what justice, you know, what what these things look like. And so when we look back at the history, we're sort of, we're at enough of a distance where we can sort of, and it's a bit unrealistic, but sort of isolate something to just try to grapple, get a handle on something, which is, I mean, that's how you learn. You often carve out a little bit of reality to sort of figure it out, you know, play with the puzzle. So we're going to do that today. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, should we say a little bit about Black History Month, first of all? Because I, I have been noticing, because we did this, we, 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 I don't know what the word is, bigged up Black History Month a little bit a couple of podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I noticed that actually, and I was kind of surprised how many people are really anti it or confused by why we have it or, um, yeah, like that's a thing for a bunch of people and sadly a bunch of Christians. And mm-hmm. so... Um. Yeah, and and we've got. I should say, like these three people are awesome people that are part of the racial justice community. So I know mm-hmm. yeah. this is a group of people who that's a place to go if you want to, you know, go deep in learning and exploring and discussing those kind of questions. So what's it been like for you guys? Because you've done a really good job, Black History Month, and I say you guys. 
it's not like it's just you three. But <laughs> your community <laughs> has done a great job of highlighting, which is kind of like what we did in the last podcast. We chose some favorite black yes. theologians. and But you guys have done one a day, which is yeah. awesome. There's like been some great people I've never heard of before you've been highlighting. Yeah. So you've made a choice to push into this. Mm-hmm. So let me throw out like the one of the classic things I see on social media of people be like, well, that's just wrong to do that. Now, why don't you either just not do it or do it all the time? So to have black yeah. history. Like so why, why make why a big deal in February? Yeah. Well, I, so for me, I'm white and growing up, I never had to struggle or go very far to look for people that represented what I knew, what my culture was, what that looked like me, um, as far as their contributions to society and to like American history. Um, however, I can remember there were like a handful of black people that I learned about, like, right. Emma, MLK, Mm -hmm. everybody learns about MLK. Um, I feel like Michael Jordan. That's yeah. Like Michael you know Jordan. about, but like specifically <laughs> in Malcolm like X. in history, yeah. yeah. It's like MLK, Malcolm X. Um, you learn maybe about Booker T. Washington or W. E. B. Du Bois. I um, did not learn about them. Du- no. Oh yeah, I, uh, I learned about George Washington Carver. Oh okay, yeah, that's another one. That was um, but really oh, yeah. what that was like. Oh yo, thanks for the peanut butter. Yeah, and that was kind of like what, yep. and that's and that's it, and that's the extent of it. And it's like, and it's only specifically relegated to like the civil rights movement or really specific things of like, oh, they did this one thing, and then that was it. Mm-hmm. Or we're gonna talk about black people when we talk about slavery, yeah. but we're gonna go over it really quickly because we're uncomfortable about that part so of our history. So your experience then, growing up and uh, learning about the world you inhabit, the nation yeah. you inhabit, the culture you inhabit. Yeah was that it would be really easy for you to come away. And this is interesting to me because I'm a cultural outsider. Yeah. So I definitely see this, but I can just put it down to like, well, I've only lived here a few years. But your experience, it would be really easy to be like, oh yeah, there's some prominent black people in the 50s and 60s, Yeah. but that's pretty much it. Yeah. The rest of our culture has really been shaped by, and not maybe not exclusively white people, there might be some important figures from other minority groups and things, yeah. but it would be really easy to come away with this perception of your national history Mm -hmm. that is like the black community are over here doing their own thing. And then in the fifties, they kind of pop their head up and influence culture and then kind of go do their own thing again. Right. And then they, everyone got equal rights and then it was like resolved and now we're all equal. And it's like that, that's kind of how it was taught to me. And especially growing up in the nineties, the nineties, it was very, that's when I went to the bulk of my schooling um, elementary school. And it was just very like colorblind theology, like type of theology was taught and so um i think that out of that now looking back it really did me a disservice because i thought oh like white culture like formed america and it's that's not really true um so having black history month is very important i think more so like definitely I don't I don't know more so or definitely I don't know who it's more important for but it's definitely important for white people because we need to realize that there is history um, not just that white people contributed to and that that black people are not just either slaves or civil rights leaders or President Obama 
right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's or, not or just good athletes or good or athletes, entertainers. Or, right. entertainers. or entertainers. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. like, there's, there's such a wealth of knowledge that we're missing. Um, and we get to celebrate white people all the time. <laughs> like <laughs> we're, we only have black history month because yeah. white people have made it an issue. I mean, it's kind of, this is kind of like the, why do yeah. we have an international women's day? Right. Yeah. yeah. Conversation. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or like we ha- and we have like I know we have like um, Hispanic Heritage Month I believe yeah. um, Asian American Heritage Month and so so there it's because dominant culture is like our culture is dominated by white people yeah. mm-hmm. so we just need to take that moment and be like okay we're not the end all be all of culture yeah. mm-hmm. so and so for you yeah. it's it's a useful corrective yeah where yeah because it's really easy so your experience was but I'm catching a little twist of like your experience still is yeah. that it'd be really easy to like um, watch the History Channel and watch Netflix programs and, you know, oh, of course you can't right now, but go around your library and <laughs> be like, oh, that looks interesting. I'll read that book. And, yeah. and still not be learning about some stuff that has been marginalized. Yeah. Right. And so it's a sort of, it provides... And, and of course, you could do this anytime. You could be like, oh, I just want to go learn about some stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pursue it and research it. Yeah. But this doing it together and having loads of people resource it together, it provides an opportunity for you to sort of make a focused effort to go learn about some stuff that because of some stuff that's dysfunctional mm-hmm. about how we tell the story of our culture and nation and history and stuff, um, it provides a corrective. Yeah. Yeah. And I like And that. I think it also normalizes celebrating people that are different than us and mm-hmm. that's a good thing we are stronger because we are different um and we're each you know the lord created us so uniquely and if i disregard uh, other people's experiences then i'm missing out yeah i i am i'm only one person who's experienced just this little sliver of life um and i'm gonna miss out so yeah that's so huge because it does when someone's different than you from a different culture or something Mm -hmm. like it does take effort to make a connection and if you never experience extending that effort and seeing the success you can become more and more nervous of ever doing it yeah um like there's a great cartoon uh actually Ryan, I know you're into these guys. They look like a- alien guys who speak funny. Oh, oh yeah. Right? <laughs> and there's two what of them it? like sat in the cafeteria and like a- another alien comes up and like, what's your name? And he's like, oh, I'm from a different planet. It's really hard to say or, or pronounce. And they say, oh, that's okay. We'll just have to practice until we can. Yeah. Hmm. But that sort of attitude of like, I, I think there's loads of people, it, like you say, there's actually a learning in mm-hmm. what it's like to actually connect with someone different than you and and it affects race and culture but it affects gender mm-hmm. i mean th- i mean i went to an b- all boys school so like the awkwardness hmm. of like <laughs> the aliens that women were <laughs> you know just like man i'm gonna stick to my lane stay are this you, side of the are fence are you telling me that they're not aliens to you anymore yeah, because that's just, true i've been married four years i'm yeah, trying to figure that it out is biblical. <laughs> like the bible does say that it's one thing that can't be understood and it's a way of a man with a maid so it's <laughs> oh a, my gosh it's the thing in proverbs <laughs> It's kind of hyperbolic language. It's not really what it means, but it's still funny that it's in there. (laughs) But anyway, it's that. So Black History Month then, it's like it's being made a little bit easier for you and you're being given a little extra encouragement to extend that effort right now. Mm -hmm. And the hope is that it's not just that doesn't just affect your February every year, but that starts to affect you more broadly uh, across the rest of the year. And I think that was our goal with. um, So on our social media accounts, like Richard said, we're highlighting like one 
um, black theologian or someone who is um, just really influential in the Christian sphere. Yeah, like sphere. great Christian thinkers, yeah. aren't yeah. they? It's pretty, yeah, pretty mm-hmm. big um, range of people. Yeah, every day we're highlighting a different person and my hope is like someone will see something and they'll be like, oh, I've never heard of that podcast before and they'll mm-hmm. add it into their regular, you know, you already listen to podcasts or you already read books or whatever it is you already do. Why not add in someone who has a different cultural experience than you? Um, because mm-hmm. that's just going to broaden your horizons, make your life richer by hearing that. Yeah, and that's the twist on it, is if you don't experience that, it's easy to think that a sort of monochromatic, monolithic cultural experience is easier. Yeah. And yeah, it might be, but it's not richer. And, and, I think and, and you're missing out on something, and your easier existence, depending on which bit of culture you're a part of, yeah. may actually be hurting some others. Right, and I think it's easier in the sense of, like, if you're white, you can totally stay insulated in just white spaces. Yes. But that's your privilege as a white person, but not for people of color because they Mm -hmm. have to go into the dominant culture. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Um, it. But I would like to hear, do you have any thoughts on... (laughs) Yeah, so that that was... That was great. The the, the black man here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because I see, obviously, I'm going to see it differently than you. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, I mean, I guess if it might not be obvious or it is obvious, I don't know, but I am a fan of Black History Month. Um, I think it's... I think it's it's necessary. Um, I wish it didn't necessarily feel like you know there was only you know one time of the of the year that we um, recognize or we talk about Black history, but or make it important or have special commercials or um, all these things that they do for Black history. But that's just a whole nother thing. Um, but it's just wild to me while growing up and me being in my thirties now learning some of the important black history or the important things that black people have done in the past. And I'm just now learning it, which is like, it's just, it's mind boggling to me. So like, that's the the biggest thing for me is like hoping that for my boys that they learn from an earlier age, how important black history has been, but then also how important just diversity is like in all aspects of their their learning and in their life so that's kind of my take and i think also like black history is just it's just history history but Mm -hmm. it's because white people have driven the narrative and written the books and taught the classes like it's kind of they have gotten to pick and choose yeah and Mm -hmm. typically you pick and choose people who are like you Mm -hmm. and who share there's some shocking history there like you know in oregon in the mid-1920s klu klux klan members actually got elected and then passed legislation to Mm -hmm. sort of make it illegal for schools to choose textbooks that uh it told the truth yeah Yeah. (laughs) what we would say today laid out the facts they like there was an agenda behind Mm -hmm. how the story was going to be told and the roots of where that comes from is pretty rank Mm -hmm. and that's why it's that's why it's important to have black history month like right then and there is like the fact that things like that existed um and things like that happened is why we have to have black history month and other um times to focus on some of the diverse diversity in the world yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out another question i've seen um, and can anticipate people bumping into, um, and it would go something like this: Yeah, but doesn't like focusing on Black history, which often involves focusing on some of the upsetting stuff from history, like isn't that just creating disunity? Isn't that actually making a problem? Like, wouldn't we be better 
you know, not focusing on that stuff? Um, I'm always the biggest fan of of bringing issues to the light so it doesn't have as much uh, power anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, if yeah. we just ignore it and, and just sit behind and just say like, oh, that's just going to bring division. It's like, well, not actually talking about it is already bringing division. Yeah. So it's like, it's okay to bring a little bit more division if it, if, if it's ultimately going to bring unity um, afterwards. And um, I, I wouldn't so. even call it division. I would just say people are uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is a yeah. better way to Talking put it. Talking about yeah. race. And so if we can get through that difficulty, right? It's like if you're having an argument with your spouse. It mm-hmm. totally stinks to have to stop and be like, you know what? I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I was the one who, you know overreacted or you said this and I don't think you meant it, but I took it this way. Whatever the the situation Mm -hmm. is, you have to kind of push through that uncomfortableness. I mean, it's like when you're working out too, like you push through the uncomfortable to get to a place where you want to be because it's better. Mm -hmm. And so just because it's a little bit uncomfortable, especially for white people to talk about race, doesn't mean that it's wrong or that it's causing division. It's just that you're uncomfortable at that time. Mm -hmm. And, and that is important to move forward because I think we've heard, especially throughout the summer, we've heard this no justice, no peace. And to get to a place where we have peace, we have to have first and foremost justice be done because Mm -hmm. you're not going to tell me if I have suffered some traumatic event um, that I just need to like move on, right? It's over. It happened. Let's go forward. No, we're Mm going to have therapy and we're going to really like get it out in the open and talk about it instead of shove it all down and Mm -hmm. then pretend because that's what we've been doing for centuries Mm -hmm. with like the colorblind thing is like Mm -hmm. just shove it down. Forget about it. Let's not talk about it. Yeah. Let's not talk about it. We don't need to. It's over. It happened already. It was a long time ago. Yeah. We've done some things to try to make it better. And like the fact that you're speaking of speaking about it is you're bringing up problems and, and again the yeah. difference have to deal of with like <laughs> you know as a white european i i can look at that history and be like yeah it's uncomfortable but i don't mind not talking about it because actually the uncomfortable from the uncomfortableness for me yeah. comes from this fact that i still benefit from some of the unjust things that happened yeah mm-hmm. whereas for burley it might be i'm uncomfortable talking about this because this is like helping me realize some stuff that i currently want to lament like because mm-hmm. this yeah. is still the effects like the shockwaves of this are still hurting me mm-hmm. yeah and so the unco- it's interesting that it's a really different kind of uncomfortableness as well mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and it's it's like if we don't talk about it by not talking about it for so many you know decades we've been trying this don't talk about it thing and that's why it's rearing its head again. it's always been there but that's why we're seeing this resurgence of the movement because there are still effects and we can point to the evidence. We could have a whole podcast about that. The, the effects of the systemic racism, racism that exists. Um, but it's always going to exist until we, like Burley said, look at it, bring it to light and then be like, we need to fix yeah. it. And the people who I think are hesitant about that and, and feeling uncomfortable about it um, have more so benefited from it. And, and it is hard, like I will say, for me, it is hard as a white person to look at that and be like, ooh, yikes, mm-hmm. that's well, yeah. gross. If you've benefited like, yeah. um, from it, but then also you didn't actually like do physically do something to cause like you didn't physically yeah. Oh, yeah. lynch so, like, somebody. I've never you didn't actually, yeah, yeah, you yeah. never <laughs> actually did anything. Um, you might have experienced some of the... Um, 
the benefits of all that. But yeah. like you, you weren't conscious of that. So it is, I can see how it would be so hard for people to um, yeah. want to sit in that uncomfortableness because there's like, wait, but I didn't actually do anything. Yeah. I, it's yeah. like, why is it my fault that I benefited from it? Yeah. It's like, well, it's not your fault that you benefit from it, benefited from it. It's just like, this is an issue that you can't just ignore it because yeah. you are benefited from it from it so you have to recognize yeah. that and since you are you're kind of responsible i got a great example of this all right this is a funny one i'm going to use dave hughes okay. who's really tall yeah mm-hmm. and he's like yeah i've had to learn like around the lobby trying to greet people to be really careful because there are people who find me intimidating because i'm tall uh, <laughs> yeah. now he didn't choose to be tall mm-hmm. <laughs> all right mm-hmm. it, it gives him an advantage you can always find him in the lobby yep. it's a bit of a weak ass <laughs> advantage but you know there's an advantage <laughs> But the mature thing for him is like when someone's intimidated or doesn't like, you know, him talking with them or like, mm-hmm. at, which could be because of some stuff with their story he doesn't even know about. Yeah. He's got a choice as a Jesus follower yeah. whether to tell that person they're the one with the problem mm-hmm. or whether to be like, what can I do to make this better? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just an interesting, it's kind of a silly example, but some of the same yeah. issues, I think. Mm-hmm. Christians would feel so comfortable praising Dave for his generosity to others and maturity and like just not wanting to or wanting to love everyone around him really well. Mm-hmm. Right. The issues play out so clearly in our mind. But if we have a conversation about like, man, this community has been marginalized and ostracized mm-hmm. and now suffers high crime rates, what should we do about it? Yeah. All of a sudden our feelings get knotted up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just an interesting to step back to these examples sometimes. Mm-hmm. I I like that because I definitely have seen when I have over the past, I don't know, like five or six years, the more that I grew closer to the Lord and really put reading scripture in the forefront of my life, um, it became even more clear to me, God's call on us, on us as believers, um, to do justice and not just in like you know, that one verse in Micah, do justice, right? Um, (laughs) But it's throughout the entire scripture. And so it became easier for me to see, okay, doing justice, what does that look like? And I think everybody's called to a different area of justice. Um, And, but I have been called to racial justice particularly. And the closer I get to the Lord and, and through scripture, I see this call and it makes it easier for me to have the humility to be like, okay, I know that I am to lay down my life, right? Take up my cross every day and bring the Lord's kingdom. In the Lord's kingdom, I do not see um, people needing to be colorblind or lose their culture or whatever it is. I see justice being done. Um, and so, so I just see that marrying of what you were saying of like, because I'm laying my life down at the foot of the cross, therefore the justice issue becomes forefront and it makes it easier for me to then confront myself, yeah. <laughs> my, my biases, my whatever, mm-hmm. the history, um, and then live out of that in a more dis- justiciable yeah. way. And it's good to bring it like, like Burley's suggestion, good made up word, by the way. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's not a made up that's not word. A made, it sounds made up to it me. It does sound made up. I'm not going to lie. Okay, I believe you. I believe you. Yeah. I mean, I believe her too. I, mean, I, I, I bet it's right. Is, you it's, know. It seems it's made up. But, but like, but like, justiciable, a state of a state or action 
it's it's subject to trial in a court of law. Sorry, uh, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> it's just a law term. But yeah, I'm so glad. It. I'm glad it's I know a real that it exists. It's That's a real word. I just use it. Just like Sesame court. Street. That can be word of the day now. Yeah. <laughs> and all of you listening, you need to use that once in conversation today, <laughs> just and you get bonus points if you do. It's yeah. great. But yeah, like but your your thing about like, but we gotta. We've got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That's not just Burley's opinion. It's not just a nice idea. That's a biblical thing. Like Jesus said, if you go to the altar and you want to be reconciled with God and you realize there's some problem between you and someone else, put your gift down oh, yeah. and go mm-hmm. and sort it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's, yeah. So just if we all read our Bibles and actually have our eyes open a lot of stuff will get sorted out but yeah. Yeah. we got so much to talk about we all keep moving on this i almost wanted to like set ryan off like press go on the theologian like forgiveness <laughs> is forgetfulness and bad theology but they can be podcasts for other days <laughs> ryan's now got his head in his hands so <laughs> we could have a podcast on what forgiveness is and what reconciliation is another time but i i want to talk about a bit of our local history in portland mm-hmm. so we've done a podcast in the past about the past of Portland and <laughs> talked about its founding and how racism shaped some of the culture of Oregon and Oregonians. So if you didn't hear that, we're picking things up in World War Two. So there's a bit of backstory you might be interested in. So go check that out. But Oregon was a predominantly white city. Sorry. Oregon was a predominantly white state and mm-hmm. Portland was a very white city in a white state. And not just by happenstance, but by design, by sort of social programming, legal issues, um, disenfranchisement of people of color, especially black um, people, and uh, sort of disqualifying them from living in the state or owning property or running businesses or you know, just all, all sorts of factors. So mm-hmm. you, you have a very white Portland. And then we arrive at the Second World War and you've got a sort of social economic cultural sort of nuke going off mm-hmm. in the country right mm-hmm. and the war effort uh, i don't know it it's just interesting how times of war in history create great social change mm-hmm. um that's another interesting thing for the historians to noodle on but one of the things that happens is portland is a shipbuilding center and it needs labor and you've got a black population who, by and large, are the more economically disenfranchised, mm-hmm. who, if the economy is going pear-shaped, statistically are going to be the hardest hit. So it's then no surprise that a lot of this labor is now black people moving into Portland mm-hmm. to build the ships. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to link to an article that's got loads of this. If you like, oh, I want the numbers. Like, I want to know what this actually looks like. You can read the article. We'll put the link in the notes. It's really good. Um, and so you you end up now with a, a huge change in Portland's population. And these people predominantly can only afford to settle in one area. And it's on some reclaimed land between Oregon and Washington in the north of the city. And it's called Vanport. And you had big dikes holding back the water mm-hmm. on this reclaimed land. And it was cheap, affordable housing. And it, it wasn't just a black community, but it was a predominantly black community. And um, it's interesting now to sort of, what I want to do is invite you guys, I'm going to sort of try and tell some of the story. And then as events happen, what I want us to do is be like thinking about our Bible and, and Jesus and like, okay, how would he help me know 
how to react to what just happened in the story kind of thing and mm -hmm. so we'll, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll try and like react to this and so um, what happens is oh here we go we got with the first reaction is the the show that Grace and Burley's kids were watching is clearly finished and someone and they just the next barge show in here like they own the place well, that's the kid's prerogative. Yeah. <laughs> they can just do whatever they want whenever they want, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the only time you can do that again is when you're like 75 in a retirement home. The whole yep. the rest of the time in between, you, know, you just need to act responsibly. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. Two times in life. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's do a little bit of like what happened next. So, um, after the war, some of the social attitudes about race meant that there was a lot of pressure in Oregon to ask, and not just to ask, but actually they were asked. The black people were asked to now leave Oregon. You came in in our time of need. Mm -hmm. You did your job. Mm -hmm. Now we'd like you to leave. Mm. So, like, immediately there, that feels yucky to me. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. that it, it, that feels like an abusive relationship of sorts or something. Like they're, they're being used, but then not valued. And I can mm -hmm. tell they're being not valued because they're disposable. They can mm -hmm. be discarded now. There's no sense of responsibility or towards them or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and so what happens is there's a lot of talk in Portland about whether they should dismantle the Vanport housing estate which is huge, thousands of homes, whether they should it's get wild. rid of it, in order to force the black community to leave Oregon. That's wild. Right? I did not know that. So, yikes. Yeah, so where, what's, the, what's the, like, what's, connect that yikes <laughs> to some stuff for me, Ryan. Like, why, why does that feel as bad as it does to us? <laughs> It's, I, I, part of me wants to try and respond with some sort of r real, um, like, oh, yeah, I understand anybody who's having a difficulty with that. Yikes, and let me sympathize with the, the difficulty there. But also part of me wants to just be like, of course, yikes. Like, how can you strip people of their homes in order to force them to leave? How, yeah. How, how can you do that? I mean, and, when, and when this happened in the breakup of Czechoslovakia, it was called genocide. Uh, yeah. When it happened in the wars in the Congo, which I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago with a theologian we were talking about, it was called genocide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mass displacement of people on the basis of their ethnicity is a war crime, mm -hmm. like in international law. Yeah. And yet, yeah, it was on the table in Portland like 70 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So that's and, and when crazy. we read that in scripture of a people who have been get given a place to live and someone comes in and says no and strips them of, of their place to live and then forces them to either, I mean, for, for the people in scripture, for Israel, either get out or adapt and mm -hmm. just be like them mm -hmm. uh we 
we look at that. Well, we look at that as Christians and we go, oh, you can't do that to God's people. Don't pick on God's people. Yeah. Like, or, or we go, well, God did that to his people because it was a punishment. So whatever, whatever way you end up looking at it for, the people, for Israel and scripture, we see that as necessarily a bad thing mm-hmm. that should never, ever be done. Yeah. And mm-hmm. not something that pleases the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not just God's people. It's not just the Israelites. You, you've got examples in the book of Joshua and Judges of sort of, na- uh, sort of city states, like small groups of people who actually um, wanted to ally with Israel in their journey from Exodus to finally having a home. Mm-hmm. And because um, it's interesting, you've got some places where God's like, hey, I've waited, social fabrics fallen apart, like I need to dismantle this culture. So Israel, you're going to go in and you're going to dismantle the things that are helping immorality persist in this part of the land. But then there were some people who were allies, and when Israel didn't then honor those people or do justice to them, which which looked like um, often those groups, because they were not part of the nation Israel, even though they may have lived next to the land or in the land, they were kind of marginalized, and God would call them on it and be like, Mm -hmm. you're not treating those people fairly. Mm -hmm. Like, they helped you out, man. You've got a responsibility towards them. So this is Mm -hmm. a, this is a, there's clear Bible examples that kind of parallel. But let, yeah. let's keep moving. So it turned out that the, the horror that would have been dismantling Vanport wasn't necessary because in May of 1948, the Columbia River flooded, broke the dikes, mm. and wiped out the entire basically small city of Vanport, small town of Vanport, in a day. Mm. And so you get a horrific um, natural disaster, right? Now, there's some twists that I don't think we can get into that historians and people, you know, are noodling on. Like, there's um, allegations that need investigating still of, like, was there a cover-up about how many, like, what the loss of life actually was or was it Mm. downplayed? Mm. Partly because the city wasn't really maintaining the dikes because it didn't really affect people that, you know, were... I don't know what the word is, the people who would keep getting them the power they had. <laughs> you know, those in power. Uh, those in power, right? So, um, so there's some, some twists and turns there. Um, but it, So now you have a huge black community who economically came in ostracized. And so because they were economically ostracized, had to live in a place that was higher risk than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about privilege and disadvantage that's that's an example of what we mean by privilege and disadvantage they were unprivileged mm-hmm. um, your choices uh, because are of limited. a complicated set yeah. of circumstances mm-hmm. there they didn't have a choice well so these black residents lots of them wanted to stay in portland they'd made this their home now uh, and so they only had uh, really one place left um, where they were allowed to buy homes because still in oregon it was illegal for a black person to own property in lots and lots of places. Mm-hmm. Um, what year was that again? So we're talking ni- like uh, 1948 into the 1950s now, mm. right? It's right around the corner. Yeah, not yeah. far away. <laughs> yeah. uh, so lots of these people, um, Albina, which was uh, an area that was nearby Union Station where a lot of the black porters worked. So there was a little like small black community there, but then that grew. So there's another sort of 
interesting social effect going on here where when a group of people have been marginalized, when they have another choice about where to live, actually they don't have the same choices Mm -hmm. some other people have because for a marginalized person, belonging to a community is actually a really important resource to them. Mm -hmm. So these, you could say like, well, why did these black people, they could have moved all, they could have lived anywhere. Uh, Even if it wasn't illegal, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just take that off the table for a sec. But no, actually, for someone who's marginalized and used to being oppressed or treated unfairly, they need to know they've got people around them that have got their back. And so they really only had one choice. They had to go find community. Mm -hmm. Well, Uh, and and that choice, I mean, it's not their fault, essentially, because they wouldn't have been safe elsewhere, right? It's like, where are you going to be the safest? Where's your family going to be the most taken care of? Mm-hmm. It's in a community of people who you know and you don't have to question, are my neighbors going to do something, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and you don't really have time to question some of that kind of stuff too because you don't have time to really think because if, if, if your decisions are made uh, based on um, having your basic family and self-needs met, then it's like you're making decisions out of survival, which are quick, fast decisions. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. don't get the time to talk about pros and cons and like all that kind of stuff. So like even now with, um, the power being out right in a lot of our city, um, and a lot of Portland hasn't been without power. I saw one article that said it might be 10 days that some people go without power. It is cold. It is Mm -hmm. really cold. And some people were saying that their houses are colder. Um, their houses are colder inside than it is outside. And for people, for a lot of people, they're like, okay, I'll go to like my friend's house or whoever, like a relative that lives Mm -hmm. a little bit further away. Or for other people, they have more resources. They could go to a hotel. They could go somewhere like that. Um, Whereas some people, when we're talking about disenfranchised, they might be um, without those resources. All my neighbors are in the same situation as me and that's my community. So I can't just go to a neighbor's house or a friend's house or a relative's house. And then you have to take into consideration maybe they use public transportation. Maybe the public transportation is down. Maybe it's, you know, it's all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, if they wanted to get somewhere safe, the public transportation isn't running. Or if they wanted to, they can't, you know, just spend money to go to a hotel yeah. for who knows how many days. And those are precious resources. So when we're talking about resources and, and it's not even just like, oh, I you know, I, I just want to stay by people I'm comfortable with. It's I need to stay by people who I know are not going to wish me harm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then, then like Burley said, out of those limited resources, we have to make these quick decisions. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, that's the end of the part one of the podcast for today. We're going to pick this discussion up next week. I hope it's given you lots to think about. And uh, yeah, catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by A Jesus Church College, based at Westside A Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from, along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.